0: Good morning, church family. I am so glad you've joined us today for worship here at Bethel. And uh, this is the day the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Before we jump into the scripture today, I just want to remind you that we're going to have a very special uh, day on uh, um, Monday. And there'll be a members meeting. You should have received an email about that. And uh, that's going to be at 6 o'clock on Monday. And I want to talk about a reopening plan for public worship, gather worship services here at Bethel. And so that's going to be Monday at 6. I'm very excited about that, about a safe way that we can do that in multiple services. And so I'll be looking forward to sharing that plan with you uh, uh, Monday evening. Now today we're in chapter number three where we left off last week. And the book of Philippians, just a reminder, the book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul. It's written to the church in Macedonia in Philippi. Paul had helped plant, God had used him to plant the church in Philippi. It was the first church in Europe. And Paul had a love relationship. This is a very personal letter. And he's writing to them from Rome in a prison cell. And he's encouraging them to be faithful in their walk with God, thanking them for their support toward, for him in prayer and financially and the way he's blessed them. And he's wanting to send a word back with them. And this letter was Epaphroditus and Timothy encouraging them in their faith. And so this is just a wonderful book. It's great, rich in instruction for all of us. But in the middle of this thank you letter and love letter and encouraging letter, Paul challenges them and charges them to be careful and be aware about those who might want to subvert the gospel. And in chapter number three, he says, Beware, watch out for those dogs. Watch out for those mutilators of the flesh false circumcision, Judaizers that were coming in and teaching that the gospel wasn't good enough by itself, that you had to become Jewish, you had to be circumcised, and you had to obey the law in order to be right with God. Paul realized adding anything to the law would discount the gospel of grace and the gospel, the work of Jesus Christ. So Paul goes into a litany of all the things about his life that would make him self-righteous, if you were to look at it that way. He said, these are all the righteous things about me. But all of those things are empty. All of those things are rubbish. Literally, that's just dung, the King James says, or manure. It adds up to nothing. But there's the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. That's the real value in his life. You know, there's a, uh, a, there's a desire in all of us that have come to know Jesus Christ as our sa- Savior. It's, it's of the Spirit. It's natural in the regard of the supernatural new birth that's happened in us. Now it's natural for us as believers to want to know Jesus Christ and to understand him, to walk with him, and to be changed by him. We have been so loved by Christ and we so love him for loving us and redeeming us that there's a desire in every believer to know Christ. Today's message is about the passionate desire of every sincere Christian, and one of those passionate desires of every sincere Christian is to know Christ. We know we love him because he first loved us, and we want to know him. It's very unnatural, and it really has a way of making us wonder if our confession or profession of faith is true. If there's not a sincere, passionate desire to know the one who saved us. The know the one that rescued us. And the know the one who has so loved us. And so the very first point is this. I want to know him. That's what Paul said. And notice in verse number 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul's driving desire was to know Jesus Christ. Is that your desire? He says, it's the thing I think about when I get up in the morning, and it's the thing I think about through my day, and it's the thing I think about when I put my head on a pillow at night, about knowing Jesus Christ, the one who rescued me. From the very first day that Paul was saved on that road to Damascus, his life was so transformed He said, the rest of my life, I'll live for him. I want to know him from that day forward. You see, knowing Christ, now listen close, friends. Knowing Christ is more than knowledge of the facts about Jesus. You can know a lot of facts about him, but that's not the same as knowing him. You can study Jesus, the historical character. You can study Jesus in the Gospels. It's more than knowing the genealogy of Jesus, or the miracles of Jesus, or the words of Jesus. I want to know Jesus. Not about Jesus, but Jesus. I want to know. It's a knowledge that's personal. A knowledge that's transformational. It's in relationship with Him. When our kids were little, we talked about going to Disney World. Now, I could have given the kids brochures about Disney World. Let's study about Disney World. Let's study about going on a vacation. Let's study about all the rides. Let's study about all the characters. Let's study the history of Walt Disney and Disney World. And wouldn't that be awesome? No. My kids don't care about studying about them. They want to experience Disney World. You know what? Jesus saved you so that you would know him. Oh yes, we love to study about Him, only so that we might know Him. It's about knowing Him personally in your life. Now that begs a question, can God be known? Yes. The heavens declare the glory of God, the Bible tells us. We can see in all of creation the design and a designer behind it, life and a life giver behind it, purpose and beauty. We see this in the world, a world of order by the one who's ordered it. And it points to a singular creator. But man, because of his sin and rebellion against God and authority, suppresses the truth. And the wrath of God abides on us because of that rejection of what God has revealed to us. He did reveal himself to mankind. He revealed himself not only in creation, but specifically he revealed himself to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and developed a covenant with them. He developed a covenant with the nation of Israel. He gave them an identity, brought them out of Egypt. He made them to be his people. He spoke to them. He gave them the law, the covenant law. He led and guided him by his spirit. He gave them a promised land and an identity. He showed himself to them. He's teaching them through the sacrifices and the worship that he ordained for them. He spoke to them powerfully through prophets that he anointed, that were anointed by his spirit. But all of those things were not the same as how God ultimately revealed himself in Jesus Christ, his one and only Son. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And We beheld his glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is God in the flesh. And we know what God is like because he sent his Son for all of us. Amen. So how can I know God? I can know him by knowing Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord and Master and Teacher and King. You say, Brother Tim, how do I come to know Christ? I'm glad you ask. Number one, you must believe in him. In order to know him, you must believe Him in him. You know this scripture verse? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have you believed in him? Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you so much. And it begins, the knowledge of Jesus begins with trusting in him, believing in him, and putting your faith in him. Now, I imagine this church at Philippi, most likely, that Philippian jailer that was converted in Paul's first missionary, in his missionary journey to Philippi, is in the congregation. And when they receive this letter from Paul, he says that the surpassing knowledge of knowing jesus the passing value of knowing jesus as savior and lord that i might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, and i bet that jailer was sitting in the congregation when this letter is read and he said that's right he says because i remember that night when i came in the prison cell and paul and silas were participating in the fellowship of suffering and they were participating in laying their lives lives down and I'll never forget that night when the prison doors were open but they were still there and I said men what must I do to be saved and they said Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved in all of your household. And the jailer says Amen! I know that's true because I've come to know him. And his wife said, that's right. I've come to know him. And his children said, we've come to know him. And his servants said, we've come to know him. Because they've put their faith in Jesus. That jailer that night was saved in all of his house and baptized and then washed the wounds of Paul and Silas. That's how you come to know Jesus, by putting your faith in trust in him you can't know him if you don't trust him and put your faith in him as lord secondly you must follow him if you you must not only believe in him but follow him jesus said follow me and i'll make you become fishers of men matthew chapter 4 verse 19. so he says if you follow me then i'll transform you follow me I'll make you become. I'll make you something that you aren't now, but will be fishers of men. So when you follow me, I will change you and you'll join me on this great mission. See, God is calling you to, Christ is calling you to follow him, to walk with him, to hang out with him, to learn of him, to take his yoke upon him, on you and learn of him. He's calling you into a personal walking relationship with him. Isn't that glorious? He, Christ didn't just save you so that you have fire insurance and you go to heaven. He has saved you so that you walk with him and you be transformed by him. Isn't that how love relationship isn't that how relationships are built by spending time with each other? Now listen. Think back with me, guys. You remember that girl that you were in love with and dating and, and courting? You were, you were after, you were pursuing her, right? Yeah. Did anybody have to get up in the morning and say, now you've got to go hang out with her today? No. Your desire, your drive was that nobody had to say, put a gun to my head and said, you need to hang out with Christy today when we were in college. No, I desired to hang out with her. I knew her schedule. I knew where she was going. I knew when she was going to be at the library. I knew when she would be at the cafeteria. I wanted to spend time with her, pursue her, know her. And she pursued me. That's a relationship. That's what God wants in your relationship with Christ. Not only to follow him, but you must listen and obey him. One of the ways that we learn of Christ and one of the ways we come to know Him is we listen to Him and we obey Him. Now, in John's Gospel, chapter number 14, it says in verse number 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and make our dwelling, our abode, with him. But he who does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine but the father's who sent me so listen to my words listen to the words of my father listen to me and then keep them obey my word when you obey him then you're coming to know him but if there's a spirit of rebellion and you're disobedient to the word the words of Christ, if you're ignoring what He has to say in your life, then you're not coming to know Him. (laughs) How do you hear God's Word? How do you listen to Him? Is God speaking today? Yes, He is. How does He speak into your life? First of all, He speaks to us through the Word of God. This book is no ordinary book. This is the Word of God. It is unerring. It is unfailing. It is God-breathed. And He is speaking to us. Jesus said, Sanctify them in truth. Thy Word is truth. He speaks to us through His Word. Psalm 1 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of God. And in his law he meditates both day and night. He said that man is firmly planted by streams of water that bears its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers." It's a relationship. It's organic. And it's a trust in Christ, following Christ, obeying Christ, listening to his word. He also speaks to us through worship. When we worship together, God's Spirit is speaking. I have no doubt in my mind, even as we're gathered virtually, where you sit in your kitchen or your living room or your den, your bedroom, as you're listening to this message today, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in this worship moment, and he has a word from you. He will never speak contrary to his written word, but he will affirm and apply that word in your life. He confronts you, he comforts you, he convicts you, he consoles you, he counsels you. He's speaking to you. He speaks to us through the word in worship and by his Holy Spirit. He dwells in us. He leads you. He speaks to you. He guides you. Fourthly, you must talk to him. You must talk to him. Part of knowing someone is spending time in conversation with them. Jesus taught us to pray. Pray. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us this day what we need, our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts, our sins, as we forgive those who are in debt to us and sinned against us. God, don't lead us into temptation. Deliver us from that evil one. Jesus said, be a people of prayer. He said, this is what you should do. He said, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Because everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it shall be opened to you. He said, what man among you, if his son should ask him for a loaf, would you give him a stone? No. If he should ask you for fish, would you give him a snake? No. If you then, being evil, if you then, being sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? You're a child of God, my friends. Listen, he has adopted you. He has saved you. You're a child of God. Talk with him. Listen to him. Obey him. Jesus said in John 15, verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. Amen. This is also how we come to know God. We love God and love other people. Now listen close. We must learn to love God and love others. And when you love God with all of your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, you'll love others. Jesus called us to love. Do unto others as you'd have them to do unto you. This is the royal law. This is the law that God has called us to as believers, to love one another, to love your neighbor and love God, love people. In 1 John chapter number 3, if you have your Bible, I think it's on the screen today. In verse number 21, listen. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Confidence how? Confidence in prayer. Confidence in our standing. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. We're obedient to him. And do the things that are pleasing in his sight. What things? His commandments. What are those? God, you ask. Verse 23. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Yes. And love one another just as he commanded us and the one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him and we know by this that he abides in us by the spirit that he's given to us listen my friends we must love one another and if you love god then you'll keep his commandments and that commandment is to believe in christ and love God and others, love one another. And listen close, never has there been a time where there's more desperate need in our culture to love one another. We live in a culture of politics and judgment and hatefulness and hate speech and hate actions. We condemn one another. We draw up sides against one another. We call names and label one another. But I don't hear a lot of love in the culture that we live. My friends, now's the time we need to let the light of Christ shine in our lives as believers like never before. Amen? We're not going to change the world with, we're not going to change the world just by protesting or a sign. We're not going to change the world by sitting in our armchairs and criticizing other people, condemning them. We can change the world if we love people and love God. Amen? Now it's time for us, the most powerful weapon, the most powerful expression of truth, the most powerful way to undergird the message that we preach is to love people. As you love people, you have to love people that are hard to love. Jesus said, love your enemies. He said, don't just love the people who like you. Don't just love people who love you. But Even love your enemies. Love those who say all kinds of manner of evil things against you falsely. Keep trusting in me. Keep loving people. And when you love people that are unlovely, and when you love people that are hateful, when you love people that are mean, let me tell you, you learn about God because God so loved us. God loved, loved people that, he, that rejected Him. God loved people who hated Him. God loved people that persecuted Christ. Christ loved people that were even crucifying Him. We need to love one another. My friends, we need to love our black brothers and sisters Genuinely, You will never know, and I will never know, the majority of us listening to this today, what it's like to be a black person living in the United States. We don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know what it's like to be driving down the road and look in my rearview mirror and to be a black man and see the police lights on and the fear that I might feel about that what's going to happen you don't know what it's like to be in the store you're the only black person there and they're walking around following you see if you're going to do something wrong we don't know that you you can't know that don't discount me listen can we love each other can we try to understand each other can we pray for each other can we worship the same god together can we worship Christ together It's hard for me to love people who are confused and angry, people that are anti-America, anti-authority, anti-government, anti-culture, young people in the streets, rioting, destroying property. That's not protest. That's vandalism. Barack Obama said a few years ago, he said, when he was president, he said, listen, the man that comes to a store and knocks the windows in with a crowbar and pries it open, goes inside and steals stuff, that's not a protester, it's a thief. That's right. And you know what? A lot of this claim to be protest is not protest. It's, it's insurrection, and it's anarchy, and it's violence, and it hates it the fullness. But listen, listen close to me. We need to love those people, too. They're lost, they're confused, they're angry. Many of, Most of them do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And me condemning them, calling them names, that's not going to change them. They need the love of Jesus Christ. They need to know God. We need to share the greatest news that we know and love them and talk to them about Christ who can change the lives change the world. They want something idealistic. Listen, there's no idealism. There's nothing here that's going to make this world transformed, but there's one who can transform us, and that's Jesus Christ. We have a greatest news in all the world to share. You and I don't know what it's like to get up in the morning and put your uniform on. We don't know that. Many of us don't. We don't know what it's like to put your uniform on and put your belt on and your gun belt on and Put a badge on your shirt and kiss your wife and your children goodbye. Leave your home. Go get in the car. And as you leave, you wonder, will I see them again? Will I be safe? And the wife to wonder, God in heaven, protect my husband and the father of my children. So we don't know that, do we? But do we need to love them? We don't know that are those that are first responders that lay their life in danger. My friends, it's time for us as the Church of Jesus Christ to still love one another. Amen? Amen. But you also need to suffer with him. He said, may I know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings." Luke chapter 9 verse 23 says, if any man would come after me Let him deny himself, take up his own cross daily, and follow after me. Listen, if you want to know Christ, that means you take up a cross of sacrificial ministry and service of other people. That's how you get to know him. When you give of yourself, when you don't live for you, your desires, your pleasures, your wants, but you live for others, you'll find yourself and you'll come to know Jesus Christ in a new, more intimate way. I heard recently about a nurse working in one of our nursing homes here in our county. She was 61 years old. She was assigned a responsibility to care for an elderly man on her floor who was 90 years old and had COVID-19. She took every precaution She had mask and a face shield and all the PPE equipment. She went in and cared for this man, loved him, served him, nursed and cared for him, knowing that she was putting herself at risk. And she contracted COVID-19 as she took care of him. And seven days later, she was gone. She died she laid down her life serving another man wow what great love how about you and i when we lay down our lives and serve other people that's how we come to know jesus christ in a more intimate way willing to live with for purpose and not for yourself not for your pleasures not for your comfort not for your desires but for God and for all of us. And then be raised with him. Hmm. Jesus said, he said, Paul said, may I know the power of his resurrection. Paul later says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. I'm dead with him. And I no longer live, but the life I live, I live in the flesh by faith in the son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. He said, I'm dead to my own life, but I'm raised to live a life for Jesus. Amen. The second thing that Paul, that ought to be a passionate desire of every sincere follower of Jesus Christ, every sincere, serious Christian, is not only I want to know him, but secondly, I want to be like him. I want him to change me. Notice in verse number 12, chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Now notice verse number 12. There's sort of a holy dissatisfaction in Paul. He said, I haven't arrived. I haven't fully achieved this. Not that I, I, I'm fully there, fully mature, fully perfect. No, not, not that I fully know Christ, completely. I, I, but this is what I press for. There is in me a dissatisfaction. I don't want to be satisfied with where I am, sitting on my laurels. I want to be like him. Not only is there a dissatisfaction, I haven't arrived, but there is a serious commitment a strenuous commitment to be like Christ. I press on, he says, that I might lay hold of. He says, I don't, he says, I reach forward in verse number 13. I press toward the goal in verse number 14. He says, I am strenuously, here's the athletic imagery of a runner in a race. I'm leaning forward. I'm pressing. I'm reaching toward the tape, toward the goal line. I want to be everything that God wants me to be. I want to be what he claimed me to be. I was on the road to Damascus. I was tr- perse- persecuting the church. I was against Christians. I was zealous for the law. And I'll never forget that day just outside of Damascus in Syria that the Lord knocked me to my knees with a blinding light and a voice out of heaven and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. He took hold of me for a purpose. And I'm telling you, my friends, you didn't find Christ. He found you. He pursued you. He saved you. He laid his hands on you for a purpose. For a purpose. Paul said, I'm grabbing hold of what he grabbed hold of me for. What is that? Well, in Romans chapter 8, verse number 29, The scripture says that we might be conformed to the image of his Son. That I might, he says, this is the desire, this is what God Christ laid hold of me. That I might be like Jesus, conformed to his image. That's what God wants in your life and mine. He said, I'm pursuing, I'm taking hold of that which he took hold of me, that I might look like, live like, act like Jesus. Filled with the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit evident in my life. That's what God wants in yours. But every sincere, serious Christian wants to know Christ. That's not enough, but wants to be like him, changed like Jesus. Amen. God, make me more like Christ. One of the ways we do that is refusing to live in the past. One of the great enemies to us living in the present or reaching toward that goal of being all that God has called you to be in Christ is forgetting what lays behind but pressing forward. Forgetting what? Forgetting failures in your life. Listen, that will paralyze you. It suffocates you emotionally and spiritually. It it distracts you. It hinders you. It trips you up. Don't live thinking about my past failures. Don't dwell on your past sins. Those are under the blood of Christ. Don't coddle past hurts. Yeah, you were hurt. So was I. We've all experienced hurt in our life. But I'm telling you, we have a future in Jesus Christ. Don't live in your past, but trust God to take care of your past, but you will go to the future. You, So many people today, they live in victimhood, and they miss today because they're locked up in the, yesterday forgetting what lies behind and pressing forward to be all that God wants you to be today. I want to be that man or that woman or that boy or girl that Christ has called me to be. Forget about the disappointments of the past. We've all had letdowns. Life hasn't always turned out the way we thought it should or wanted it to, or thought we deserved, no. But he's with us today, and let's press toward him all the way till Jesus comes again. Don't live in the past glories of the past. Don't live in the nostalgia of the past. If you're not careful, oh, I remember the good old days when we used to do this. And I remember the good old days when life was like this. I remember the good old days when church was like Listen, you can live in the past, but you'll miss today. Don't miss today. Forgetting what lies in the past, I press forward to what God wants you to have. Finally, a desire of every sincere and serious believer is this. I want to be with him. I not only want to know him, I want to be like him, but I want to be with him. And that's what he says in verse number 14. Notice he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ jesus notice it's a call it's a call that comes from god he initiates that call of salvation in your life and that salvation has a conclusion is that we would be with him the location is from heaven it's a heaven word it is a, a a call from heaven and it's a call toward heaven he is calling us to a whole new location. Aren't you glad this world is not the end? Aren't you glad this is not as good as it gets? Amen. Our citizenship is in heaven, Paul writes, from which we look forward to the coming of a Savior. Christ is coming again. Let's live for him. How many of y'all believe Jesus is coming again? I do too. And he's coming for all of us who have our faith and trust and hope in him. Huh. Christ is coming for us. But there's a prize. What is the prize? It is this upward call, this heavenly prize. What is the prize? Now listen, This is the prize isn't the forgiveness of your sins. The prize isn't heaven. The prize isn't streets of gold. That's not the prize. The prize isn't pearly gates. That's not the prize. The prize... Is not a mansion just over the hilltop. No, that's not the prize. What's the prize? John Piper said, The prize is Jesus himself. And we'll be with him. I'll be with the one who loved me. I'll be with the one who saved me. I'll be with the one who rescued me. I'll be the one who guided me. I'll be with the one who comforted me. I'll be with the one who loved me from the foundation of the earth. And I will be with him forever and ever. Isn't that glorious? Amen. In 1 John, chapter number 2, verse number 28. I think it's on the screen. Look at it with me. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Amen. And such we are. For this reason the world does not know us because it did not know him. Behold, beloved, now we are the children of God. And it's not yet appeared what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. Face to face. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him, purifies himself as he is pure. My friends, Jesus is coming again. And we will be like him. And we will know him. And we will be with him. Is that the driving desire of your life? To know him? Are you passionately pursuing to know him in your life? Are you cooperating with the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to be transformed like Him? And are you leaning into and desiring with all of your heart to be made like Him? Are you, listen, are you looking forward to His coming again? Are you looking forward to the prize to be with Jesus forever and ever. Man, what a glorious life he's given us. Let's live for him who died for us. Father in heaven, as you're speaking today in our hearts and our lives, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do a transforming work in us. I pray that today the Father, we would desire and Renew the pursuit of knowing you, of being changed by you, and living toward a heavenly life, a heavenward life. Father, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Christ, I pray they would pray and say, Dear God, I've sinned. Dear God, I've gone the wrong way in my life. And Dear God, I need you. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for my sins and rose again, and I turn from my sin. I trust in you alone. Forgive me. Save me. Oh, God, I need you. In Jesus' name, amen.